Really a good song. My, that was my dad's favorite song, favorite Christmas song. I'm going to talk to you again today about having a Merry Christmas. We're talking about four fears that Mary encountered when the angel came to her and said, you are going to bear the Christ child. She had to deal with the fear of the supernatural. She had to feel, uh, deal with the fear of inadequacy. And today I want to talk to you about the fear of change. The fear of change is a real fear. A lot of people have it. And then next time I'm going to talk to you about the fear of public opinion. I know no, none of you deal with that one, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Fear of public opinion, fear, fear of what people think. But let's look at um, the fear of change today, Luke 1, 26 through 31. This is the Christmas story. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a what? Say it again. To a virgin. Pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. In other words, what in the world is this? What is going on? But the angel said to her, What, everyone? Say it loud with me. Do not be afraid. As the angel said to her, so God says to you and me. Don't live in fear. Now, Mary, you have found favor with God. You are going to be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, I'm going to switch quickly to Abram, before he was Abraham. And I want to read you some passages because I'm going to show you how Abram had to face massive change in his life. So let's look at it quickly. Genesis 12, 1. Here's the Abrahamic covenant, God cutting a covenant with Abraham, the covenant of which we enjoy today. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. Here's the promise. If you leave, if you change, here's what's going to happen. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Now, since we're children of Abraham, we are supposed to be blessings to others. Now, he says, I will bless those that bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. That's why you better bless Jerusalem and bless Israel. I don't want to be under a curse. Amen? And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, in light of that promise... Abram changed. He departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. Told the first service, all you seasoned citizens ought to be encouraged by that. That just because you're a seasoned citizen doesn't mean God's done with you. You may yet have your finest moment. Well, listen to all the amens. We got, all right. He took his wife, Sarah, who was 65, and his nephew, Lot, and all of his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household, that is, his servants, and they headed for the land of Canaan. Father, thank you for change. Thank you for the power of change, and thank you that we are a people undergoing great change in the Lord. Thank you for it, and we embrace it. Help us, Lord, to face change without fear so we can have in tr a truly, Lord, a merry Christmas. Amen. Turn to your neighbor one more time. Tell him God's going to change you, but it's going to be good.
well, I don't know about you, but I, I know that I need change. And I know that um, I sure needed change when I got saved. And I want to just talk to you about this thing called change today. God is going to change you, and he's going to change me. Listen to the words of Jesus. When he went to his disciples, first thing he preached was change. He said, follow me, and I'm going to make you become fishers of men. That was change. He knocked Paul to the ground. He did knock him off a horse. There's no horse in the book of Acts. He was walking. He got knocked to his uh, knees. And what did the Lord say to him? I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. Quit persecuting me. Change. The Bible says that we are changed from faith to faith and glory to glory. The Bible says that we are changed into the image of the Lord. The Bible says he makes all things work together for the good. Who those, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, that we might be shaped or molded into his image. So everything he works for our good has to do with change. God is out to change you and he's out to change me. And I believe that as people, we inherently have a little bit of a fear of change. We don't like change for the most part. We like things as they are. But I want you to think about Abram for a moment. When God called him, he was Abram. When he was done with him, he was Abraham. He changed him. Anytime God comes into our life to change us, it is for the better. And when he requires change, it precedes blessing. If God's going to bless you, he changes you first. When God wants to do something new in your life, he changes you first. When there's a blessing on the horizon, God will come and realign you somewhere in your life before the blessing comes because change precedes blessing. When he knocked Paul down, he was Saul. When he got up, he was Paul. Change. God is a changing God. That is, he changes us, though he does not change. Now, let's look at Abraham or Abram before he became Abraham just for a minute. He was a real person. We look at these people and we tend to think, well, they're Bible heroes, Bible characters. But this was a real man, uh, just like you and me. Real feelings, real ups and downs, real good days and bad days. He was just a real person. He's comfortable. There he is in Ur of the Chaldees, and uh, he's successful. He's 75 years old. The Bible tells us that he had wealth because when he left, he took his wealth with him. So he had been successful. And I guarantee you, he's at the age where he does not expect new adventures. You know, you reach a place where you say, well, I'm kind of that age where I've been there, done that, and... I've kind of seen my finest hour, but I'm going to tell you something, folks. You give your life to God, and you seek Him with all of your heart, and He's got some new adventures for you. If you're bored, then you're not plugged in like you need to be, because my Jesus is never boring. And Christianity did not come to bore us. It came to challenge us and bring us adventure in faith after adventure in faith. So we are not to be fossilized. We are not to be petrified, but we are to be ever flexible in the hands of God because he's always seeking to change us. Look at this man, 75 years old. And God comes to him and says, leave. Leave your country, the place where you know the land. Leave your country. He knows at this point where the fresh water is. He knows where the good pastures are. He knows where all the best trails are to the best places. He knows this land like the back 
of his hand. Like some of you know Fort Worth. You've grown up here. You know it. You know where everything is. Abraham knew this place. He was acclimated to this place. He was attached to this place. All of his boyhood memories are there. All the things that he remembered as a boy growing up, they were all there in Ur of the Chaldees. He met and courted and married Sarah in that place. All of his memories are there. And yet God comes to him and says, leave all this. Now, I don't think that we're to be afraid of change, and that's why I'm preaching this. I want to encourage you. Don't be afraid of change. As I share these things, don't go, oh no, I hope God doesn't call me to some faraway place in Africa where I really don't want to go. No, primarily, God wants the change He's looking for to be in your character. In your character, He wants to change you on the inside. Now, notice what God gives Him for directions. Now, if I'm Abraham, I want to know, well, where in the world am I going? If I'm Abraham, I want to know. But here's what God says to him. Go to the land that I will show you. That's it? Go where you're going to show me? Yeah, he just kind of pointed him in the right direction and said, start walking. You know, I've learned this about God. God doesn't show you the whole picture. Never does. He shows you step by step, day by day. Uh, That's why it says, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I don't see 10 miles down the road. As I obey one step, he gives me another step. As I obey there, he gives me another step. That's why God hasn't given some of you another step because you hadn't done the one he's told you to do before. You're going to have to back up and play catch up. What did God tell you to do? You say, well, I'm in a wilderness. Well, why are you in a wilderness? Well, maybe God told you to do something back there. You haven't done it. As soon as you go back there and do it, he'll give you another step. Uh, We know from a few verses earlier that God had said to him, I'm taking you to the land of Canaan. But that's all that he knew, a land of Canaan. That's all that he knew. This is a time before satellite uh, photos and GPS maps and encyclopedias and atlases. He just had to start walking. He gathers his wife. He gathers his goods. He gathers his cattle, his servants. And they say, and I know Sarah, really, honey, we're going, where are we going? Now, can you men imagine saying to your wife, pack up, we're selling the house, we're going. What's she going to say? Where? And imagine if you said, well, honey, I don't know yet. We're just going to start walking. How many of you can say, I'd have a wife with heel marks all the way? Because we want to know where God's going to take us. But sometimes God just says, you know what? You're to walk on the Word. I'm not going to give you all the information. I want you to walk on the Word. I just want you to obey me. Just start going. Start going in that direction. You just start walking, and when you need it, I'm going to show you more. This is the Spirit-filled life. I'm telling you, when you walk by faith, you don't have all the answers. If you had all the answers, you don't need faith. So God is calling for massive change in Abram's life. He is saying to him, you're headed 400 miles away and you don't even know where you're going to land. You just know that it's called the land of Canaan. Change. Everybody say with me, change. Change. Some of us say to God, keep the change. I want my ticket to heaven, but you can keep the change. 
But guess what? You get near God, you get near change. Change is a fact of life. And if you've been around long at all, you know it's true. It often comes unannounced, unexpected, and unwanted. That's change. Sometimes you want the change. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes you didn't expect the change, and it makes you tense, and it makes you tight, and you've got to seek God about that change. For the most part, I don't think people like change. I know that God's got to really convince me before I make a major change in my life. We like what we like, when we like it, the way we like it. We're creatures of habit. We don't like our boats rocked. We do not like the Lord to mess with our stuff. We don't like, uh, we, we, we cleave to the familiar. We cleave to the predictable. We like the same old, same old, much as you might gripe about it, you like it. Some of you head for the same chair every Sunday. If somebody took your chair, there's going to be a fight in the house of God. I know that you're creatures of habit. I watch you. In come the sheep. They look for their chair. You think your name's on that chair. And if somebody's sitting in your aisle, oh, it bristles. You have to go get right. You have to go get in the Holy Ghost because you got in the flesh when you saw somebody in your chair. Sometimes I'm going to play musical chairs in here and just tell everybody to switch around, let you see what it feels like on the other side of the sanctuary. You don't even know over here that they're over there because you're always over there. We like the same friends, like the same surroundings, like the same house. You never step into the same river twice because our world's a world of change. It's changed since last time you were there, that river. You never walk into the same church twice. I never do. When you walk in every week, somebody has left, somebody new has come, or both. It's never the same church. You never look at the same reflection in your mirror twice. You aged overnight, like it or not. Can I inform you, if you had a little magnifying glass, you'd find some wrinkles this week that weren't there the week before. Maybelline and Max Factor can work so long, then it's over, baby. You got the wrinkles. We're all in a state of change. Have you noticed that you can see somebody six months later? You haven't seen him for six months, and you see him and say, whoa, whoa, you've changed. <laughs> Hallelujah. It might have been for the good. It might have been for the bad. Oh, you had a real Christmas. You must have eaten a lot. <laughs> we change. One of the keys, and this is real important, one of the keys to success and growth is to learn that God is going to bring change, and we got to flex and flow and grow in that change. That's one of the keys. Flex, flow, and grow. James York, I love this, he quipped, the most successful people are those who are good at plan B. Because, see, Mary, here's Mary, she's got plan A. I'm going to marry Joseph, have a family, be a normal little Jewish girl in Israel. And God interrupted plan A, and she had to flex to plan B. Abraham's sitting there 75 years old. Well, life's been good. Got my livestock, got my wealth, got my wife. Praise God. And God comes and interrupts plan A, and he had to flex. Remember when Kathy and I, when I graduated from college, I just knew I was going to go into evangelism. Had all my little business cards made up. I had, I had a, my letter that I sent out to a whole bunch of churches signed by some big guns. 
you know, uh, uh, saying you need to bring him. And I remember just waiting to take off on this major wave of evangelism, and I didn't get one response. Not one. I said, maybe they didn't get it. Did we stamp those letters? But you know what I found out? God can stop you as well as release you. God can shut a door as well as open a door. And God wanted me to pastor. I've been doing it for years. I just didn't know it. Teaching the same people the Word of God over a period of years. Just never stopped and thought about it. And so he shut the door. And then God called us to East Texas, to a town that you blink and you've gone through it. I'm a city boy. I was raised in concrete and steel, and trees were sacred because there weren't very many of them. If you cut it down, it was a sin. I was going where chainsaw noise filled the air 24-7. There was no restaurant in the town God led us to. All that there was was a dairy queen. The first night that we were there, Kathy and I looked at each other and said, well, what do you want to do? Well, we can't go eat because there's no restaurant. Well, let's go to Dairy Queen. I'm not eating that food. Listen, you stay there for a while, you'll eat Dairy Queen. <laughs> so here I am. I'm in the city. I'm, I'm waiting for all these doors to open. And, and God kept pointing down there to East Texas, and there was a little handful of people asking me to come and start a church and be their pastor. I'd never been an official senior pastor before. And I, and I kicked, and I resisted, and I rebuked it, and I bound it, and I tried to fast it away, and there were heel marks all the way. But finally one day I said to Kathy, what's God saying to you? And she said, well, he's saying to me, where to go? And I said, me too. And we went. But let me tell you something. After a while, after some culture shock, after a while, I realized when God wants to bring change into your life, when he begins to bring change, and this took change. This took a major shift. This was culture shock for us. We were not small-town people. We were city folks. But I learned that when he brings change, he wants to put something of the character of Jesus in you. There's something he's wanting to put. And so I learned to adapt. I learned to find things in common with people that, frankly, I really didn't have a lot in common with. I learned to talk to them. I learned to, to hang around them. I learned to, I learned to reach them and become all things for all men that I might save some. Something of the character of Jesus got put in me. And anytime God brings change, church, it is because He's wanting to promote. He's wanting to bless. He's wanting to make you more like Him. And that's always a promotion. So we learn to go from plan A, evangelism, to plan B, pastoring. And then I found out I was called to be that all along. I don't want to evangelize. I don't like traveling. I would not have made a good evangelist. Right? Kathy's got to pray that I even get on a jet. So it wouldn't have worked. But God had to bring change. We're going to all be changed. During the earthly journey, we're going to be changed. One day we're all going to be changed when Jesus returns. I got news for you. If you don't like change, get out now. Get out while the getting's good because he's coming back. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. 
It does not yet appear what we shall be changed into, but we do know that when he comes, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So expect change, embrace change, flow with it, and enjoy it. It is inevitable. It's going to come. Now, let me share with you some things that I learned about Abraham's change that will help you and me because we're all, you know, I read something. This really hit me. Why you go to church will decide where you go to church. Now, that's a profound thought. Why you go to church. Now, if you go to church just to meet people and help your business, that's going to decide where you go to church. But if you're going to church to seek the Lord, then you're going to church that's in change and that, that where God is changing the people and they are interested in becoming more like Him, not social climbing. Amen? So if you're in this church, then you have to have an interest in seeking God because we're seeking God in this church. And so that's one reason you're here. Some of you are here, don't even know why you're here. Let me tell you why you're here. Because God wants to do something in your life. That's why you're here. Now, I'm going to look at Abraham's change. First of all, know this. His change didn't come easy. Change doesn't come easy. We are creatures of habit. We do get in ruts. We do get in situations. We don't want to change. And it doesn't come easy. Leaving wasn't an easy step for Abram. No way. It involved a whole lot of goodbyes. It involved goodbyes. And that's never easy. And your change won't come easy. But remember, when God is changing you, it is because he wants to promote you, to bless you, to help you. The second thing about Abraham's change, his leaving involves sacrifice, and it always will. I have never had God bring change into my life where I did not have to lay something down in order to pick something else up new. I had to lay down something old to pick up something new. There is usually some kind of a divine exchange when God wants to change your life. See, Abram had to say goodbye in order to say hello. He had to walk away in order to walk toward. And that's the way it is with you and me. See, God comes to your life and says, you see that habit? You see that thing in your life? I want you to lay that down. But, Lord, I don't want to lay it down. I know you don't want to lay it down, but I want you to lay it down. Well, why do you want me to lay it down? Because I want to bring change into your life. Well, I'm not sure I want that change. Well, you'll like the final result. Because, you see, folks, believe me, if God asks you to lay something down, something far better is just around the corner, and you've got to let go so that you can grab hold. I don't know if anybody's hearing me. I think I'm preaching to people who know what I'm saying. Listen, see, I had to let go of my whole idea of what I was going to be and where I was going to go and where I was going to live. I had to let go, and I had to reach out and then grab what God had for me, and it turned out to be a great, great blessing. It prepared me for here. It would have been a whole lot easier for Abraham to stay where he was. It was a sacrifice to get up at 75 years old and make a completely new start. Amen. Sacrifice. And you know what? We know that Abraham, even though he sacrificed and walked away, we know that what he did, he did for generations to follow because most of what God promised him, he did not obtain. He was in the land. He lived there. He died there. But that land was for future generations. As a matter of fact, 
the Jewish people to this day, his descendants, through whom all the earth was going to be blessed. His descendants still have not obtained all the land God promised Abraham. That's about to take place. When Jesus comes again, he is going to land on the Mount of Olives. Mark it down. And when he comes and lands on the Mount of Olives and stops the war of Armageddon, he's going to divvy out the land that God promised to Abraham to his people every square inch. But Abraham moved forward that others might receive the fullness of the promise given to him. His children, his grandchildren, great-grandchildren, they all were blessed from it. So it's sacrifice when God wants change. His change was messy. I want you to know that his change was messy. What Abraham did from the beginning of when he left Ur of the Chaldees to the day that he died was full of mistakes. Now, here's what I want you to understand. When you step out in faith, you're going to make mistakes. And if you make some mistakes, when you make those mistakes, don't you dare let those mistakes be your tombstone. You let those mistakes be your stepping stone. You learn from every mistake knowing that God will forgive you, He will wash you, He will cleanse you. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. He'll stand you back on your feet and put you back on the path. But Abraham's Abraham's change was messy. I mean... If he had just stayed home, he would not have ended up lying to a foreign king, saying that Sarah wasn't his wife. He told his wife, lie with me. I'm going to tell a lie. I want you to go along with it. Father of your faith, lied through his pearlies. Because Sarah was beautiful, he said, they're going to come after you. If they come after you, I don't know you. What a guy. What a husband. If they come after you, I'm just your bro. I'm not your husband. I don't want them coming after me. So they take Sarah. The king took Sarah into his palace, and God began to curse him, and everything in it began to die. He said, you're not normal. Took her out. Busted Abraham, said, you lied to me. He said, I I didn't lie. It was sort of a white lie, half a lie. She's my half-sister. Abraham, the father of your faith. He went down to Egypt for protection when God said, don't you dare go to Egypt. Don't you go down to Egypt. I'll take care of you in the promised land. But when the famine hit, and it did, he went down to Egypt against God, against God's will. So his change was messy. But your change is going to be messy. You don't change a diaper without mess. Your change is going to be messy. But God will help you. And you will get on your feet. And you will learn. And you will conquer. And you will obtain. And you will fulfill your destiny in God. So step out and embrace the change He wants to bring. I think this one might be the most important. His change required faith, not just in God, not just in the Word of God, but faith in God's character. Now, here's the deal about walking by faith. It's one thing to believe God, and you should believe God. But you know what? You won't believe God for long if you don't believe in God. See, it matters what you believe about God. There are some people who believe God's mean, doesn't care about the human race, just lets everybody suffer and die. 
Right now in your mind, if we could freeze frame your thought about God, you've got a concept about God. You believe something about God, and that dictates the way you live and your Christian walk. Some of you believe that he's out to get you, out to catch you in wrong, out to stomp on you like a bug if you make a mistake. That's your concept of God. Others of you see him as a long beard with a long gray beard and furrowed brow and kind of steam coming out of his ears and distant and unapproachable. That's your view of God. But this is why we say God is good all the time. Because if you don't believe that God is good and has your good intention at heart and wants the very best for you, you won't walk by faith for long. You've got to not just believe God, but believe in the inherent goodness of the character of God. He cares about you. In order to believe God, you've got to believe that God has... This is how Satan took Eve down. Eve was able to be convinced by the devil that God was not out for her good. He convinced her that he was holding back from her, being deceptive with her. And when she believed bad things about God, she fell. You've got to believe that God is good because he is good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. He is good. Jesus said, if you ask your Father, watch this. Jesus wanted to be sure that we believed in the goodness of God. He said, if you ask your Father for bread, will he give you a snake? If you ask him for an egg, will he give you a scorpion? He said, of course not. He said, if you being evil know how to be good to your children, shall not your Father in heaven give good things and give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He is a good God. I want you to say with me, God is good all the time. You say, well, I make a lot of mistakes, Pastor Jeff. I think I'm on his hit list. You're not on God's hit list. You're not on God's hit list. The only thing he's got you targeted for is blessing and goodness and change that is positive. You've got to believe in the character of God. You've got to believe in the, Bible, in, the, in the God that is presented by this book, the book, the Holy Bible. He makes everything work together for the good, for those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. Somebody got blessed. So now... When Abraham entered the promised land, <laughs> Amen. Now, Do you believe in the goodness of God? Do you really? Do you believe in the goodness of God? Do you believe he has your best interest at heart? When Abraham entered the promised land, he had to believe that. Because when he entered the promised land, it was a country full of enemies, full of walls. It was not what he expected to find. It was supposed to be the promised land. Well, what a promise. Here's kings that don't want me here, enemies that don't want me here, and walls up that have to be overcome. 
And so walled cities, kings and armies standing between him and the promises of God. You know that he had to look up and say, even though I see all of this and this is what I walked 400 miles for, these enemies, he had to say, I believe in your inherent goodness. I believe. And that's what you got to say, folks. Famine was there and armies were there, but Abraham obeyed God. And now let me share one more thing with you about what I believe is the walk of faith, and that is that Abraham's change did not immediately bring results. His change didn't bring immediate results. When he obeyed God, it did not immediately bring visible results. And it won't often with you either. See, we tend to think, well, if I step out in faith and obey God and get right and do everything just so the way I know he wants me to, then I'm going to see immediate results. But no, Abraham had to wait. Abraham waited a long time to see results. You know, when Kathy and I went to East Texas, it was a while before we saw results. But man, when they started coming, they came. And we left a church of 500 people in a town of 1,600. Seriously, 1,600. We've got that many people in this church. So now... Abraham, Abraham had to wait for another generation to inherit some of what God had promised. And then that generation had to wait 400 years before the promise was fulfilled even more. And the rest of it is yet to come. So if you get out there and you say, Lord, I embrace change, please remember it can be messy. And that's okay. And remember, it won't always be comfortable. He's going to interrupt your comfort zone. And it's not going to come easily. You're going to have to die to your flesh, say goodbye perhaps to some things, lay some things down. It's going to require sacrifice. And change always precedes blessing. Is God trying to change you today or is he knocking on the door of your heart for some change? Good. Then there's a blessing down the road. Can you stand up with me today? Thank you, Lord. Now, let's just look to him. You know, he may be wanting to bring a change into your marriage. And you know that until that change comes, blessing is withheld. I would encourage you, Lord, to say to the Lord, I receive that change. Maybe he's asking you to lay something down because he wants to lead you to a new place. Let him do it. Whatever the change is, just maybe God just calling you to longer time in prayer or a more consistent devotional life. Flex and flow and obey and let Him bring change. Now with every head bowed for a moment in prayer, if you can say, you know, Pastor Jeff, I believe that God has some change for me. I believe God wants to change my life. Maybe you've never even come to him as Lord and Savior and said, Lord, I need you. He's going to change you, but it's going to be for the good. If you say, Pastor, I believe God's wanting to bring change into my life, and I needed this today, I want you to raise your hand, would you? Right where you are. Many, many, many people. Now, would you just pray this prayer with me? Very simple. 
Because I guarantee you, God hears you in this house. He's hearing us. We're praying in his name. And just say this, Lord, I receive the call to change wherever it is. Because I know change precedes blessing. Lord, help me to embrace it. And say with Mary, be it unto me according to your word. That was the prayer of faith from that incredible teenage Jewish girl. Seeing all the change that the angel Gabriel's message would bring, she said, be it unto me according to your word. What an incredible promise. What an incredible statement. Thank you, Lord.